0: Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements as well as the learning objectives. Hello, and thanks for joining uh, our uh, discussion of some of the highlights at ASCO 2022 that was finally held in person in uh, Chicago. So I'm Fred Sad, urologic oncologist from the University of Montreal, and I'm joined by Raina McKay, Uro- uh, medical oncologist from the University of California in San Diego. And um, we'll start talking about some of the highlights of metastatic castration-resistant prostate cancer, which unfortunately is, is still around and, and is still the cause of death from prostate cancer. So clearly looking forward to making strides and improving outcome of these patients uh, that are unfortunately all destined to die of prostate cancer. So some of the interesting data that was presented uh, there was work looking at a simple biomarker like alkaline phosphatase um, and and how it uh, goes up or down on radium two two three and and how this correlates to overall survival so the reassure data is a large uh, study ongoing in patients on radium capturing as much data in the real world as possible and Uh, what the study found, at least in terms of alkaline phosphatase, confirms what was seen earlier in smaller size studies, um, that alkaline phosphatase is really what we need to be looking at when we treat patients with a drug like radium. PSA is not a biomarker that's useful for telling us whether patients are responding or not. But alkaline phosphatase, clearly the patients who get a decline in alkaline phosphatase after as early as 12 weeks are the ones that are really getting the best in terms of overall survival advantage so a simple biomarker and in, in my practice i actually teach patients to stop looking at psa when they're on radium and to focus on alkaline phosphate so it's very funny when residents are in the room and they see patients asking what is my alkphos level and they're surprised that patients actually are are able to switch thought process when they're on a drug that isn't really targeting uh, PSA progression, so I think in, in important information to know whether we're going in the right direction or, unfortunately, in not in the right direction. Looking at a simple biomarker that's cheap, uh, like alkaline phosphatase, after three or four cycles, you should get a signal that uh, alkaline phosphatase is going down. So, um, uh, Reina, um, yeah. th- there, there, you know, there's other more, more exciting um, uh, data coming out with other radioligand therapy like lutetium. And and so maybe some thoughts on on what was presented.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to say, stepping back, you know, um, we wouldn't be here where we are today with lutetium PSMA if it wasn't for L-Simca and wasn't for um, radium-223 entering into the treatment landscape, you know, as the first, um, you know, radioligand therapy to actually improve overall survival for any disease. And so just kind of, you know, I think that study and the results of, of, uh, you know, um, uh, the impact of radium for people with metastatic CRPC were really critical to get us to where we are today. So, you know, as you said, Fred, patients with metastatic CRPC, you know, it's a fatal condition. Um, And we know that actually PSMA expression um, is high in patients with metastatic castration-resistant disease and actually increases in the context of patients having um, CRPC. Lutetium PSMA is a radioligand therapy that delivers beta particle radiation to PSMA-expressing cells and the surrounding microenvironment. So how it differs a little bit from radium is that it's a beta particle, not an alpha particle. And radium is just sort of bone targeting, whereas that, you know, uh, lutetium PSMA is PSMA targeting. So it targets, you know, a specific protein on the cell surface of uh, tumor cells. And, um, you know, we were... Last year at last year's plenary, we heard uh, uh, Dr. Michael Morris present the results of the phase three vision trial, which were really groundbreaking. It was a international open label study of Lutetium PSMA 617 in adults um, with PSMA positive metastatic CRPC that had previously received one AR, at least one AR agent and um, at least one prior taxane. And based on the results of that study, this drug became um, FDA approved for use, um, though I think um, still hasn't fully got been integrated into clinical practice yet. So we actually saw updated data from the vision trial, looking at adverse event profiles, um, really demonstrating that over 50% of patients with metastatic CRPC had received five to six cycles of lutetium PSMA 617. So most patients were actually able to complete therapy. And if you look at the treatment-related adverse events across each of the cycles, they were pretty similar between cycles one through five. There was more toxicity seen in cycle six. um, That's really kind of cumulative over the longer duration of treatment. Additionally, during the presentation, they had data Looking at um, psMA based biomarkers of um, response to therapy, so looking at PSMA mean, PSMA max, and various other imaging based biomarkers to help inform you know who are the patients that are most apt to respond and I think those are still exploratory at the current time. Um, we haven't really defined what's the um, you know they haven't necessarily been been uh, robustly validated, but I think we're going to start to see integration of more imaging based biomarkers to help inform treatment. And kind of segment, like piggybacking on that, we saw the results of the therapy trial that were presented by Dr. Hoffman. Um, Therapy was a little bit different from vision in that it actually randomized patients to cabazitaxel as opposed to, um, you know, just standard of care. And these were patients who had progression post dose So we saw the updated follow-up data. Um, You know, I think what's interesting that was reported from this trial was that the median overall survival. Of patients who were excluded because of not meeting the PSMA FDG criteria was really you know low. This is an unmet need that we still need to figure out how best to treat these patients. Um, but nonetheless, um, you know the uh, therapy demonstrated that um, you know patients had lower adverse events, higher response rates, and, and improved patient-reported outcomes. The study primary endpoint was PSA response. It wasn't really powered for OS. Um, OS was similar between the therapy patients and the cabazitaxel patients, but really the primary endpoint was, was powered around PSA response rather than overall survival. It was a smaller study, but, you know, these two trials are really going to change the way we treat patients with metastatic CRPC with the introduction of um, targeted radioligand therapy. So what's different about lutetium is that it is a targeted radioligand as opposed to radium, which is just, you know, an alpha emitter.
0: Yeah. And, and But it is interesting because, you know, I think it's important for our patients. I mean, in terms of overall survival, even though we can say it wasn't powered, we didn't see any difference. So, you know, in countries or people who can't get access to letitium, they don't have to feel like they're being shortchanged if they go on to cabazitaxel, which I think is reassuring because sometimes, you know, you hear these exciting data and then you say, I'm I'm dying because I didn't get it but there are alternatives. So I think now it confirms that Cavazi is a is a good alternative, even though the study was really designed in PSMA avid patients who were more likely to respond to lutetium than if they had accepted all comers like envisioned. So, so I think informative as it is. And what is interesting is we've had the opportunity to treat patients with lutetium pre and post radium, and they've done very well. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't exclude radium in the in, in the landscape of patients, it's just knowing are we going to give it before or after. But I, we found it to be safe both before and after in terms of lutetium, whether patients had been exposed to radium. And we've treated patients after lutetium with radium and have had good experience. Um, maybe just as a, a last um, a, a study um, in, 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 in these patients is uh, looking at, uh, the, you know, up, some updated uh, safety analysis from um, uh, the PROPEL study that combines olaparib with abiraterone. So the study is still continuing to mature in terms of overall survival. Clearly, uh, a large uh, improvement in radiographic progression-free survival, whether or not you had DNA repair defects or HR mutations detected. Um but what's, uh, what's reassuring is that in terms of tolerability, the addition of a laparib, at least in first-line mCRPC, where patients have sti- ha- still have a relatively good bone marrow, um, the grade three-four adverse events were really quite low. The highest being uh, anemia at fifteen percent, but all the others were under five percent, and, and overall patients were able to stay on therapy for a long period of time. So I think reassuring combination. And and looking forward to other studies that are looking at combinations in first-line MCRPC uh, with data from magnitude that was also reported and continuing to update, and TalaPro2. So uh, this is a field that's continuing to grow also. So um, uh, I think overall, I think it's exciting that we're we're, we're still working on MCRPC. This disease state is not about to disappear. uh, And so we need to continue finding ways, like you said, for those patients that don't express PSMA, that are neuroendocrine, and, and yeah. we've seeing more and more of those patients as they progress through lines of therapy, integrating biomarkers, so, so very exciting, and, and I think good news yeah. for our patients. But obviously, if we can get them to be treated appropriately yeah. earlier, then we might be able to make this state extinct, which would, I yeah. think, be both of our objectives.
1: Yeah, no. There's a lot of interesting data. I know we don't have the time to go through every single, um, you know, study, but a lot of interesting um, data from several phase ones that are ongoing. Of. PSMA CAR-T therapy from um, the POSIDA study. There's um, bispecifics. We saw data get presented around that. Um, ADCs, targeting V7H3, um, you know, Emmanuel Antirakis presented data around that. So I think there's a lot of really interesting novel compounds with also novel delivery mechanisms, you know, not just oral pills and chemo, but, you know, we're talking antibody drug conjugates, cellular immunotherapies. So a lot of things that I think in the future, I think we're going to be seeing more of
0: great. So thanks a lot, and and I hope uh, everyone found this informative. Um, Whether you were at ASCO or not, there's just too much being presented, so hopefully this was uh, informative as being some of the highlights that we thought were important uh, for clinical practice. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative.